He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What we're doing is still delivering on that message. And that will, there will come a tipping point where it begins to snowball. And our dream is to become a household name that, you know, yes, you, you know, you people know your Airbnbs and your booking.coms and they understand what those brands are and what they mean. But us as an operator, we want to become known as an operator and that, you know, it's, it's a trusted holiday or a trusted business trip that you go with these guys and you expect a certain level of service and you get it. So I think we've got a lot of work to do internally. And as we build and grow out of this, we will need to push that message, um, both in what we do, but also through um, podcasts like this and other um, PR means to to ensure that everyone is aware that there is a there is a brand out there like us in the short term rental space and we're trying to do we're, we're yeah we're taking on quite a big challenge welcome to slick talk the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality hotels and business you can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform This is the Vacation Rental Mastermind Series, The Operator's Edition. In early 2020, I did the same series featuring the service providers in the vacation rental space. Now, after the year that we just had in 2020, I think it's time that we showcase those who have been really leading the charge and having the boots on the ground during this crazy pandemic. In this short series, we're going to focus on what makes a sustainable and profitable vacation rental management company and why it's so key to learn these tools, tactics, and of course, structures that make these companies the way they are. So sit back, grab your pen and paper, drink your coffee, and enjoy the Vacation Rental Mastermind Series Operators Edition. everybody welcome back to slick talk the hospitality podcast this is an exciting episode um i don't think we've ever had an actually false we have had another whale on the show but you're going to be the first one in 2020 and i think 2021 as well so uh welcome to the show will how are you doing my friend i'm excited to have you on and talk about what you guys do with altito Delighted to be on the show and um, yeah, honored that I am and the, the only Will so far of, of 2021 uh, and always a pleasure to speak with another Will. Um, but yeah, looking forward to uh, sharing some of the um, highs and lows, probably a few more lows, as you can imagine, over the, over the last year or so um, with you and your listeners. Of course. Well, uh, just to give the audience a little bit of a background, you're obviously being featured on the Vacation Rental Mastermind series, the Operators Edition, and you and I connected through a conference that we were, I was kind of moderating for, and you and uh, Andreas and Michael Golden um, were the the panelists, but um, we were part of host earlier or later last of 2020. And so, um, after hearing a lot about what you guys have been doing with Altito and just kind of your origin and the overall just 
steps you guys have taken during this uh, crazy wild pandemic. Um, I just felt like it was natural to get you on the show. So I'm really excited and uh, glad that we had that opportunity to connect first. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pumped and I just want to go into, uh, let's dive in about you. What's your origin? What's your background and how did you get into the industry? Yeah, well, it, it, slightly unconventional route into the industry, but I, um, I sort of feel like that's possibly the case for most people in hospitality. So maybe it's conventional to be unconventional uh, in hospitality. But um, I was, uh, if we go right back, I, um, I was a theology graduate um, at university. Um, so I'm not sure um, how much so can that, I, can that... Can I ask for what, what theology? uh all, all and every theology it was a it was a broad church um but um we yeah i mean being in in the uk i guess it was um looking at christianity and philosophy around that um but you could you could be you could be more diverse than that um i and so that's, I, that's pretty funny because i went to uh bible college as well for about like a quarter and then i dropped out so right okay <laughs> well well i well i managed the whole three years um but i was going to say i wasn't a particularly good student so i think at times they probably would have preferred it if i had dropped out and certainly gave me hints um <laughs> but um but yeah uh so that was that was about 10 years ago um and then came out of that into um relatively normal conventional sort of graduate jobs in London uh, in in sectors like finance and strategy consulting so um, fairly straightforward quite boring really and that's probably why I only did that for three years as well um, and that's and then things began to get a bit more interesting a bit more unconventional and um, I teamed up with an old friend uh, called Tom Archer um who is a key part of the altido story um but we uh yeah we were childhood friends and um we were both seem sort of feeling similarly disillusioned with uh that you know having done school university is like oh is this it is this this is what life looks like now um this is all so, i had to look forward to yeah yeah a lot of um yeah, a lot, a lot of money poured in and, and not much coming out. And um, this seemingly this is where we're going for uh, the foreseeable. Um, so, yeah, uh, we obviously took the, um, the, yeah, the, the next logical step for us, which was to set up an apple juice business, um, which is for any would-be hospitality entrepreneurs, this is a key step on the road um, to making it in hospitality. So if you haven't set up some sort of juicing business, um, that would be a key takeaway. Um, and, and we did that for probably too long, really. Um, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think it was sort of, um, from incarnation, from when I first um, squashed my first apple, which was not long after leaving university, to formalizing it into a business with Tom a few years later, and then um, it was probably five years of 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 the juice business. Um, which, although we, I joke about it, um, what it did give us was live experience of running a business, albeit a very different one to the one one we run now, um, and all the challenges that come with that. Um, and and so, yeah, so, and, and during that, oddly, or during the end of that, um, we were both living in London uh, and we thought, well, this, you know, the juice thing is good and it's fun and it's profitable and everything, but not quite sure this is gonna be 
the one for us um, business-wise. And so we started getting into property. The London property market was very hot back then, 2014. I mean, it's usually hot, but it was particularly hot then. Uh, and we did a residential development together. So we um, financed and bought and refurbed a, a property. Um, and then we tried to sell it um, just as the market went cold. Um, so, so we went from juice to sort of slightly suspect um, house refurbing. Uh, and then we had, so we had this asset on our hands, um, which uh, we couldn't sell. Um, and we're wondering what we'd do with it. We didn't want to long let it. And then Airbnb um, was getting quite popular back then. And we were hearing of, you know, companies starting up around this space. Um, and we thought, yeah, maybe we should, maybe we should short let this unit and see what we can do. And we did, um, and it did very well. And we met some celebrities um, out of it. For, for, your, for the US fans, I mean, I actually didn't know who this guy was then. I, I now know who he, was, who he is, and, and I see him regularly on my BBC Sport app. But a man named Steph Curry and his family um, wow. were one of our guests. Yeah, so <laughs> I think if you, yeah, have a sort of, have any interest in basketball he's got a big name um but so he he came to stay and that was yeah that was quite exciting um but we then thought let's make a let's there might be something in this there could be an interesting business in this and so we put the word out amongst our network and um we had uh, one or two owners con contact us saying that yeah they had some short let needs and we said told them that's what we did um and we stuck them on Airbnb and we did, you know, we got hold of some linen and we did the cleaning ourselves and we checked in the guests ourselves and we started making money. And quite quickly, we realized we could make more money out of this than Juice. Um, so Juice HQ got shut down uh, and a business called, uh, at that stage, the London Residence Club was born, um, which was kind of like a high-end um short let property management company in london uh and we we were we were growing very well um and and it was very exciting um for any anyone who's been through that sort of entrepreneurial journey the, those from ideation phase into sort of execution of a real business it's it's pretty thrilling um it's very challenging at times but it was good um and that's how yeah that's that that was really the the turning point of the last six, five or six years for, for me and Tom, and we've been in hospitality ever since. So you're probably wondering, well, why, why am I running a business now called Altido and not the London Residence Club? Um, and that is because a, another key turning point happened a couple of years ago when we merged uh, our business um, it, with three other businesses. So it was a four-way merger, which I believe is quite an unusual thing to do in any industry. Um, and it was a European merger. So just as the UK was leaving Europe, uh, we were going into Europe um, and we uh, merged with a Portuguese, Italian and a Scottish business um, to create a, a consolidated structure and a new brand called Altido. Um, which stands for a life that I dream of. And I'm not sure people always remember that, but we're very keen to, to push that because that's a key part of what we're, we're doing at Altido. It's part of our, our vision, which is to fulfill every traveler's dreams. We have, we have very small visions at Altido. <laughs> um, so we, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we've been doing for the last two years. Obviously a bit tricky in the, in the last year, but um, it's been 
certainly an interesting journey. Um, yeah, and I've enjoyed every minute minute of it. Well, I was going to say, I got a couple questions. I, I'm writing down as you're talking. I'm like, okay, I got to make sure I pin, uh, pinpoint some of this down. So the juice business, ju was it actually called Juice HQ? No. Sorry, okay, no I was going to say, that's such a clever name if it is. Yeah, that. I mean, maybe we'd still be in the juice business if it was yeah. called Juice HQ. No, Juice HQ was essentially my parents' home. And that was another key reason why the business failed, because my parents were highly unamused about all the, uh, this juice that was being produced um, in their garden, essentially. Um, but it was called Archer and Parry um, after the founders, um, me and Tom. Awesome. So um, yeah, we did that for a few years. Well, so what I guess my, my biggest question would be from the juice business, carrying over into the London Residence Club, now Altito, um, what was the biggest learning that you guys learned from the juice business and carried in? Um, well, one of the financially, one of the biggest changes we saw, which was why we thought the business model on the short let side was what, what one of the really appealing bits of the short let side relative to the juice business um, was how the flow of money worked um, because both businesses are very operationally challenging. So I think, you know, we went from learning how to manufacture apple juice and pasteurize it and bottle it and label it, um, which at scale is not easy and juice goes everywhere um, quite regularly. Um, but at least it prepared us for hospitality where again, at scale, you've got all sorts of operational challenges. Um, but one of the things I remember we noticed really early on and particularly Tom noticed was when we were um, selling juice, we were often chasing invoices. So we'd created um, X thousand bottles and we were shifting that um, during the season, which is only three months. So we were shifting a few thousand a month. Um, and then we needed, obviously, to get this money. And quite often, um, it didn't come for quite a long time just because, uh, you know, uh, laziness or we couldn't cash flow issues or whatever it was the client just was like oh, i'll get around to paying it at some point despite the fact our payment terms are probably a week um the great thing about the short let industry is the money flows through our bank account um and so we were able to take our fee um every month uh and we suddenly saw that we had a, a cash flow positive business uh from day one so we didn't invest anything really um, in terms of the startup costs of our property management business, whereas our juice business required quite a lot of capex for all the kit. Um, and then even when you were set up, you were you know, often chasing invoices, which was quite tiring. Um, so certainly, yeah, I, I felt like that comparison was, was an interesting learning for us. That's very true. And uh, cash flow, yeah, that I can't imagine with chasing down hundreds of invoices and not getting paid for months and having to fund it yourself. It's a wild ride. But I Indeed. also have another another question with your, your first property. So the one that you guys developed, do yes. you guys still have that under your umbrella or did that eventually sell um, as time has gone on with, with that? And then I have one more question about the merger, but I kind of am curious about this first property. Of yours. Sure. Yeah, it's a good, good question. It did. It did eventually sell. Um, and the, the whole purpose of that project was to 
Um, we actually lived in it for, for nine months, which was amazing. Um, that's another top tip. Live in a property that's going to be refurbed because you can have amazing parties and it doesn't matter what happens to it because everything's going to be um, redecorated. I remember waking up at eight in the morning once there's this very loud banging and I came down to find Tom with literally a sledgehammer taking down a wall in the garden and that's the sort of thing that would go on in that place. Um, not, not the neighbors weren't particularly amused. Um, but we, yeah, we always planned, we had to sell it, it was part of the the, the financial investment there. Um, it just meant that there was a delay um, of, of basically a year, um, but the short let solution helped us out there. I would love to still have that property on our books because it was one of our best. Um, and yeah, um, but, but sadly no longer. Well, I was gonna say, um with with that that's probably shown a lot of um i don't know just with the financial so the sell and then having short rental income leading up to that did that help with the 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 completion of the sell for for you guys for the evaluation of the property or anything saying that this is a cash positive um property or was it mostly just a real estate type purchase Uh, yeah i think I think it could have. Um, it was, you know, certainly when we were doing viewings and drumming up interest for the property, um, it was clear that that was, you know, what we're doing. And I think for someone, um, depending on the buyer, if you were buying it as a sort of pied de terre, that that's an interesting factor to think. Okay, well, I can stay here as my bolt hole in London and rent it when I'm not there. And and hopefully they would have used us to do it. Um, but in the end, the owner, uh, he he just he was a, a a director at Apple, I think, um, and so he he wasn't that interested uh, in in the extra short let income. But I but yeah, it's a good point. I think generally speaking of the market at that time, this was becoming more and more common, and estate agents were looking to this to come. To companies like us in a way they hadn't before previously they kept short let agencies at arm's length because they were kind of like the new kid on the block they didn't really know how it worked they weren't sure if they want to get involved um but suddenly they were like wait a minute these guys can help us um maintain this property on the market by getting some some you know the owner won't mind leaving it on market for a longer time because they're getting a bit of income and as you say it could be a selling point um for the future buyer yeah, we're seeing a lot of that in the states where um, vacation rental homes or properties are generating X amount of income per year. And when they go to sell on the real estate market, um, they actually incorporate that as this was a vacation rental for five years or three years. This is the amount of money it made, let's say a million dollars per year, um, which is quite a lot. But if you have a million dollar cash flow positive business, uh, and then also the real estate asset itself, um, they're actually leveraging that to to increase the, the buying power um, mm. or the selling power of it. And so uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting and maybe something that would have happened when you guys were doing your property. Um, but I was gonna ask for for the merger. So, were, when you, so when you have a four-way merger like that and you said uh, Italy, Scotland, and- Portugal, Portugal. And, and then um, us in London. Okay. so were you guys at all competition with each other and then realize, Hey, we're better together. Or what was the overall like light bulb moment leading up to everyone saying we want to create this one brand? Yeah. Um, we were never directly competition. Um, I think the closest we would have come to it was in, in nearing it was probably in the UK. Um, because you're, 
basically in the same country. You've got uh, uh, the the Scots had their business in Edinburgh. We were down in London, and it's kind of an obvious next move for them to come down to London or for us to go up to Edinburgh. So although we weren't directly competing, it probably wasn't that far off. Um, in terms of a light bulb moment. Uh, there were a few milestones along the journey, but I think just the nature of any merger, even a simpler one, just a two-way merger, is it—it's never an overnight decision. There's it, it's there's it's so complex, and there's so much that goes into it, and it's such a big change that for everyone, as individuals and as business owners, um, there's a lot you've got to get your head around mentally before you actually do it, and when you know we we were talking about this much more generally in 2018 not just with the four companies who merged but with you know at conferences just having conversations about consolidation like it was it was a, a bit of a hot topic because i think for a lot of people they'd been in the industry for three or four years they'd set up a good business in a particular city but then it was like well what next do i you know raise money and enter a new market on my own which some companies had done and are doing but seemingly not hugely successfully so is there a sort of another way of doing this and that's where the merger question came came up and so i think there were you know there's potential other partners who could have joined this journey and indeed i remember speaking to some of them at the time um but it's it was just i think as time goes on and the more and more serious it's becoming and you start looking at you know drawing up legals, you 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 then realize who's really serious about this or not. And it just kind of naturally happened that the, yeah, the four companies that merged to form Altido were the ones who were really up for this and and got that, that this is going to be a fundamental change in our business lives. Well, not even just your business lives, but in the regions that you guys are are managing. So now now the the collection of inventory um, is has grown times four, basically, if you think about the exactly uh, amount of inventory that everyone had. Um, at the beginning, this is kind of a side off question, and we'll get into a little bit more about the brand and the name. But um, how many, uh, how many units did you guys have when you started the merger? Yeah, so it was, um, wasn't exactly equal from company to company. And, and indeed, Although we're all in the short let market, the models were slightly different in each region. Um, but it was probably a, a ballpark of around 1,500 units um, when we came together as a as a merged entity. Wow, that's a, a lot more than I was expecting. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and and yet yeah, just to your point, it's 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 a very good one. Overnight, you become a totally different proposition to both guests and owners because you are a multinational yeah. business and um, you can service them in ways that you couldn't before. Yeah, I, I I know we can go into deeper details like how how it was to consolidate everything into a PMS and all the other stuff like that, but uh, I think that'll all be the sexy like, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I would say we'll probably need to do like a part two for that episode. Yeah, um, but. I want to know, so do you think the meaning of the brand behind the company, so Altido, because I, I loved when you talked about this on host that like not many people know our definition of Altido. It's a life, mm. I, a, a life, I, a life that I dream of. Yeah. There we go. Case in point. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so like I, when I heard that during the host conference, I was like, oh snap, that's actually really cool. Like in the beginning, Altido was like, okay, that's an interesting name. Never heard of anything like it, but didn't know there was an actual definition. And so mm. do you think that has 
um, some kind of significance to the to the role um, for the company's success, especially during COVID. Like a life I worth dream of is something that you guys are holding on to. Yeah. So um, I do, but I think we've got so much more potential to tap into there and that that indeed you know we're we're looking ahead at the post-covid world and how we position ourselves and how um we grow over the next five years and that that you know it, it was in our dna when we created this brand to create something which is a bit different which is you know very clearly reaching out to the guests side of things um very clearly making a statement that we want to be a world-class hospitality operator offering a best-in-class service and so we've kind of put our money where our mouth is with the name of you know trying a life that i dream of but try and, and in our mission statement to try and fulfill travelers dreams and why i think that's powerful um is although we're probably still a bit under the radar um, and probably a lot of people just know us as Altido. Um, I think what we're doing is still delivering on that message and that will, there will come a tipping point where it begins to snowball. And our dream is to become a household name that, you know, yes, you, you know, you, people know your Airbnbs and your booking.coms and they understand what those brands are and what they mean. But us as an operator, we want to become known as an operator and that, you know, that's, it's a trusted holiday or a trusted business trip that you go with these guys and you expect a certain level of service and you get it. So I think we've got a lot of work to do internally. And as we build and grow out of this, we will need to push that message, um, both in what we do, but also through um, podcasts like this and other um, PR means to, to ensure that everyone is aware that there is a there is a brand out there like us in the short-term rental space and we're trying to do we're, we're yeah we're taking on quite a big challenge yeah and i was gonna say i know i knew of you guys prior to the host conference um i just never knew all the you know the story behind it which is really cool to discover just recent just you know recently discovering that you know for four different entities coming together, uh, life I worth dream, uh, a life that I dream of, um, is is something that you know I'm a I'm a geek on the experience side and, and brand for sure, and so, um, so finding a story to tell through that is really cool, and I, I I think that's what I I think it's when it got me more of a fan. Like in the beginning, it was like oh damn, that's really something that um, can be played with and and used for for a lot of good reasons. Obviously, we're in hospitality, so. Um, you had me at that that first moment, so good. I just, <laughs> That's good to hear. Customer feedback, yeah. and you haven't even stayed with us yet. I know, not yet. Once the borders open up, though, I I had so many trips. I'm pretty sure, like you as well, um, planned for this year or yeah. you know 2020 and, and even 2021 um, that have been postponed. But once those borders open up and life is good, guarantee we'll probably be uh we'll probably be having a beer or two at a couple of properties. For sure. Yes. Um, well, I want to go into because you said something really specific because the, the, the theme for our session at host was, um, you know, what have you learned? What is 2020 or what is the COVID-19 pandemic taught you? What are the things that you've done in order to keep um, keep afloat during this time? And you talked about, uh, well, it was just it was interesting to see Andreas from Miami talk about they were acquire, 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 build, 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 buy, buy, buy. And then you guys were like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna narrow it down. We're gonna thin out, we're gonna empty out the closet, we're gonna trim the fat, and we're gonna just really run at a small, like not a smaller operation, but just kind of cut back and see what what was not needed and what was really needed to to operate. 
So do you think that is something um, that would has helped you guys continue to move forward? Or what was the idea and thinking behind that? And you could probably describe it better than I did, but um, just the overall um, yeah. process. I mean, I think you described it pretty well, actually. I mean, we we, um, we we were doing that, obviously, in response to the pandemic. But I think it's important to say we're still doing that, um, as, as, you know, pretty much we all know, despite vaccine globally, Q1 of this year, at least, is, is still very tough. Um, and, you know, businesses have to make very tough strategic decisions about how to cope with this. And I think to give you a I think what would help to give you a bit of an insight and give the audience a bit of an insight is we set quarterly goals for the entire company um, and we announce them each quarter and we review them and they're usually only three or four um, something that we can really hang our, our hat on that um, that we all want to aim for and whatever our particular role is and we set our personal goals and we try and align them with the, the company quarterly goals and two of those goals this month are very clearly linked to what's been going on with the pandemic and they are um, back to basics and one company not four and so if we just dig down into those two a bit you can see kind of our response um, to to how we've approached the pandemic so back to basics was just looking internally you know pre pre-pandemic it was all very exciting the the market was moving very fast um, it was all about growing and um, going around to conferences and making partnerships and connections as soon as the pandemic hit we we shut all that off and it was just about looking internally about okay what's actually going on in our business and anything that we'd been papering over before because it was the good times and you can afford to do that you just can't afford to do now and so back to basics was thinking well you know we're we're espousing that we're uh, a world-class hospitality provider but let's let's really look at this and make sure that we are keeping those standards and that those standards can scale and so that's from things like how does our check-in process work how is our cleaning operation set up um, how is our communication to the guests in terms of the booking flow and so it's really helpful for to focus the entire company on that aim and one of the things we wanted to do was get people out no matter where what you were doing in the business is to do a check-in yourself so to actually get out there and meet the guests and to clean a property yourself so you get out there and understand what's actually involved so we were doing that a lot last end of last year and we're doing that this year as well and then the one company not four as it kind of clues in the name is just I think in the excitement of the merger and the growth and everything else is, and, and you kind of alluded to this in terms of like PMS and um, merging and things like that, is that despite the fact we were a merged entity, our regional elements maintained legacy issues um, or legacy processes and, and just a unique character. Um, and that's fine if you're running, if you're just if you are a separate entity but if you're a merged business that doesn't make sense and so one thing we've been pushing really hard during this pandemic time is actually you know we've got to standardize we've got to make efficiencies we need to run things on the same processes do things in the same way get teams talking to each other more um so those are the kind of things we've been doing um to yeah looking internally just to improve the fundamentals of our business um and definitely i think that's that's as we come out of this that's bound to to be a plus no for sure and i was i was glad that you you brought that in because it's interesting to think of 
um, operations. And when you're talking about, you know, back to the basics, one of the basics for, I think, at global scale, the way you guys are, would be to figure out how your system internally uh, is, whether you're, you know, running off of four different standards and four different systems and four different, all these other things, it can be quite hectic and probably quite costly um, at the end of the day when you have just so many different things going on with, with different entities. Um, so I, I guess that like really leads into this, this kind of the question I had for you was um, what are the key values or pillars that um, you think make a sustainable property management company or business? Um, because you, I think definitely could say back to the basics is, is a key one. Um, I, I preach that on the podcast all the time, whether it's a restaurant, a vacation rental or hotels, like we have to remember our basics. Then the moment we forget that, that's when things start to get a little, a little off. But when we do remind ourselves on the basics, then it kind of comes back to you and is like, oh, it was right there in front of us the whole time type deal. Um, so I'm kind of curious on your thoughts. Yeah, well, I think this perhaps sounds obvious, but I, I'm fairly sure having witnessed some other, other life cycles of some of the other companies in our space that, that it isn't necessarily obvious to everyone is that if you're looking to make a sustainable business and you're trying to work out well, what are the key values or pillars, you have to have key values and pillars to get there. And I sort of feel like when I see some companies that lost their way and perhaps have gone bust or just seem to be a bit stagnant is I wonder what are their key values and pillars and what are their drivers? What are they actually trying to achieve? Because quite often it looks, and particularly with the really well-funded companies, that their only goal is just to grow, but to no end. And it doesn't really matter what that growth looks like. It's just about bringing on as many units as possible. Um, and often that means a high churn rate uh, and, and not being profitable as, as a business. And, you know, that's might be fine if that's in line with your, your vision and your goals, but I, I sort of feel like they end up looking a bit lost. So for us, we've been really clear with our brand values internally um, and, and with our mission statement of, you know, we're, we're here to fulfill every traveler's dream. So that's not necessarily mean we're going to be the biggest um, but we do want to be the best at what we what we do and we do want and we when we make a promise we want to deliver on it um, and we have some core values within the company as well which is we've got four core values which is um, stay humble be pioneering um, trust and putting people first and they they work very well internally as a company uh, but also with our um, with, the, with our service offering to guests and our service offering to owners. So I feel like having these foundations and pillars set up within the business at least gives you a chance of success. You still have to execute on it. Um, and then making it clear to everyone in the business that you know we're, we're, uh, we're trying, our, our effort is to build sustainable growth. We are not a funded company. We are, um, we're, we're here to create a profitable cash flow positive business. Um, so that matters. The type of growth that we take on really matters and the way in which we run it matters. Um, so we have to yeah, operate it properly and take on the right kind of inventory. If we do all that, we'll have a sustainable, profitable business. I love that you said that. And you even mentioned a couple of key points that I think 
I can't say the big managers like yourself or a few others in the States or whatever forget, but I think when, you know, I've been recently like on clubhouse or a few of these other social media platforms where you're seeing these people that are trying to scale, 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 whether it's like with one property, two properties, you know, they're trying to get more properties under their belt. Um, and you said something very specific with, we, we, we remember the guest. I think the guest is always kind of like the spotlight uh, fundamental key player, but then You've also said the owners, how you service the owners, how you provide value to them and that that um, stakeholder that they play. Um, and so I think that's really key as well, because um, the moment you forget about the owners, that is kind of like, it's like Expedia saying, well, these are all hotels, but it's like, no, we own the hotel, we're your inventory, you should be helping us. Um, and it's kind of like the owner saying the same thing, I'm giving you inventory, so you better make sure you're providing value for me. And so um, just the fact that you're, you keep constantly reminding, I've heard you say a couple of times throughout the episode that, you know, guests, you always put the guests first, but then I'm hearing you say, and our owner. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really uh, a key thing, I think, um, from my experiences running uh, properties and, and in the management game. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just glad that you brought those points up. Um, I, I think it's key. The key part of your question was sustainable. And if you don't look after your owners, you don't have a sustainable business because they will leave you. Um, and so, and, and I think, you know, it seems kind of obvious, but a lot of people get that wrong. And and we, you know, I'm sure we've got it wrong at times. Definitely, we're not perfect by any means, but a pandemic helps to put that in the spotlight. And we monitor our churn very closely, and we report our churn figures um, internally on a monthly basis. And and we and we report why they left us, and we try to make sure that okay, well, they have left us, but let's make sure that doesn't happen again elsewhere. Agreed. No, that's awesome. And so I wanted to get, you kind of mentioned a little bit in that last question, but in the long term, what role do you see Altito playing in the travel and hospitality industry? You know, once let's say, let's say past 2022, maybe 2023, let's say COVID's kind of a thing of the past, people are traveling, life's good. Um, hopefully, knock on wood. Um, but what what do you see the long, long game for you guys? Yeah, um, I think yeah, it's particularly after the year we've had, it's important to remember that there is a long game and that, that, that there is, you know, this isn't the normal and, and we're going to get back to what we do best, which is um, running a business and, and, and growing it and, and doing something, hopefully, that is adding value to, to the industry and um, adding, yeah, adding value to, our, to all our consumers. So um, I come back to our to our vision. Our vision, as I said earlier, is is, is to fulfill every traveler's dreams. And so, uh, when we look internally about at, at the competitive landscape and what we're doing and what others are doing, we often ask ourselves the question: What's our USP? You know, we, we're a business. We should have a USP. But what what is it? And it's a really difficult one, I think, for anyone in our industry to answer in a sort of quick and easy way because. The barriers to entry to our industry are pretty low um, and scaling is difficult for sure, um, but the barriers to entry are low. So how do you actually differentiate yourself and stand out in what is inevitably a very crowded market? And every time we answer that question and we wrestle with it, we always come back to the same thing, which is uh, is our service level, is our customer service, it's our reviews. And that, does a, that applies again, both to the owners and the guest side. But I think when we're looking forward in terms of our overall vision and what we what the impact we want to play i mean initially it will be european but we want to be global is that we we become 
a leading hospitality operator within that space. Um, the inventory that we manage may, may, may become more and more diverse. We've started managing hotels. So we're not just a short let operator, um, but the principles remain the same. And that is to, to offer the kind of service that delivers what we call, and I'm sure many other business call the wow factor where a guest comes they and an element or hopefully a number of elements of their journey booking with us and staying with us made them think well that was different like that was that was they went above and beyond they went the extra mile they you know when i called them up and i needed it they came and delivered that hairdryer with a smile and a box of chocolates or whatever it is but you know that 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 edge which which begins to define you as actually a property management company with a brand rather than just a functional operator so that's that's what we're going for at the moment it's obviously a massive challenge at scale um, but we think it's really important to stay true to that um, and we're excited to deliver on that over the next five years yeah when i was working with um marriott it was the the phrase of pleasantly unexpected so um, that and then our recently our friend uh, I'm pretty sure you know who Matt Landau is, um, but he calls them the limited edition moments or the limited edition theory, where um, creating moments like that, like you said, um, the wow factor, um, those are limited edition. You can't find that anywhere else um, because you guys went out of the way to create that special, uh, unique limited edition series. Uh, yeah, moment. I like so, that. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool theory and it goes off of the Destination Air one um, that I created in 2020. But um, same thing, people are wired to create remarkable experiences that are anticipated mm -hmm. and shared. So I think at the end of the day, we all have different names for the same the same purpose and same definition. So it's pretty, pretty uh, exciting. Um, we, we, were, we were talking, we had a pre-chat for this recording and we we're talking about um, some, some news that was coming up with you guys. And so you've recently taken the CEO position of Altito. And so yep. uh, what is um, your, your, I guess, final thoughts for, for not only the episode, but your thoughts leading forward as, as kind of the, uh, I guess, I don't know what you call it, the pillar above the, the four brands, the four entities that are becoming one, what do you, what's your goal as taking on this new role? Good, good, good. And big question to finish on. Um, well, I mean, firstly, personally, it's, um, it's very exciting. Um, but obviously, uh, it's exciting because it's challenging. And I think anyone who's an entrepreneur wants to be challenged. You want, you're always looking for the next thing and looking to you know where, where you go next but it's also an, a, an honor and a responsibility to um to lead our colleagues and friends in what's been a very challenging time um and and hopefully lead them well and and um you know right now more than ever um it's it's not easy for people out there and in our industry it's particularly hard so anything i can do to help um boost morale um and get people to focus on uh, the light at the end of the tunnel which is coming I think that's um, really really important um, but I, I feel like um, although we are in the middle of creating our five-year business plan and where we want to go and that's really important to have that long-term view and we just discussed mm -hmm. a bit of that about you know becoming a household name in this space um, that guests will you know when they start thinking about their holiday or their business trip they go to Altido first because they want the full experience um, that that is you know if, if I could play any part in delivering that and achieving you know moving the business towards 
that place, that would feel like um, a great success. Uh, but right now, my focus is on this year um, because of just the context of what's happened last yeah. year. Um, and I'm uh, internally, as I'm sure my colleagues would tell you, I'm very bullish on the prospects for later this year. I feel like we've been, we've had such a tough time. The, the, it is a very, um, governments are very cautious. The media is very cautious right now and rightly so for all sorts of reasons. Um, but I believe Q2, Q3 um, is, is when we bounce back and we, we in, internally we call it um, 2021, the year of the comeback. Um, so that's my focus for the moment and that's what I'm going to be trying to deliver on um, on the next year. And, and in terms of any shameless plugs, well, it seems obvious, but um, I would love people to come and stay with Altido, try us out. And, and if you don't like it or you do like it, give me that feedback directly, reach out to me, reach out to the team. We really want to hear it. That's how we learn. Um, but we've got some really exciting properties in lots of really exciting destinations. Um, and, we're, and we've got more coming on this year. So whatever your holiday needs are, um, pick up the phone, send us an email, book online. We, we want to hear from you. Perfect. No, I love that. And I was going to say, I'm going to plug everything into the show notes. So everyone who just wants to have an easy, simple click of a button, that's going to be right there for them. Um, so Will, I just want to say thank you again for joining me on the series, joining me on the show, uh, providing value in what you guys are doing. I'm excited to see, I, I'm hoping you're right, man. I'm hoping in Q2, Q3, even Q4 that you guys and everybody in the industry just starts thriving again and, and seeing the, the revenge travel uh, happen. I think we're all excited for that. So once that, like I said, once that border opens, you will see me at one of your properties and I will be knocking at your door saying, you need to come have a beer with me and we need to talk more. Um, I look off, forward to off, that. Off the recording though. <laughs> yes, yes, very much off the record. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. Slick Talkers, you've now heard it. Go to Altido. Uh, they have the website in the show notes and you can find out more from there. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Vacation Rental Mastermind Series, the Operator's Edition. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Hey, everybody. I don't mean to break away from the episode, but hear me out really quick. Let's talk about dynamic pricing. Recently, I did an in-depth demo with Andrew Kitchell, the CEO and founder of Wheelhouse. Now I'm going to tell you what a great product and tool for property managers to use since now is the time that we all know that you cannot leave money on the table. As the short-term rental segment of hospitality gets more advanced, revenue management and dynamic pricing will help you and your team keep your eye on the prize while maintaining excellent service. Now if you're a property manager of any size, go ahead and check them out and let them know that Will sent you. Or you can just click the link below and you will be pleasantly surprised. Now, back to the show. Woo! 
What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.